The um, uh, I, I know many of you were involved either as um, as customers or as uh, um, participants in putting on our garage sale. Uh, not this past weekend, uh, despite what the sign says, but uh, the previous weekend. And I wanted to share with you that the the mission committee um, has met now. Uh, we raised at the at the garage sale seventeen hundred dollars and and a little bit more. And uh, the mission committee has met and divided that, so we'll be supporting. Um, we'll, we'll be sending support to four different um, mission partners. Uh, two of them are here in uh, the Anchorage area, and they are involved in uh, children's nutrition, uh, kids' kitchen, and a children's lunchbox. And uh, another one is in uh, Burma or Myanmar, and it's an orphanage. And uh, the last one is also an international uh, partner, and it's the, the Cameroon Nurses Program that some of you are aware of. So I wanted to let you know that the, the money we raised was was very uh, g- uh, useful, and uh, we found ways to, to spread it around. But not just the money. Uh, as you know, after the garage sale, there was a bunch of uh, stuff left over, and uh, we've, we've taken some of that. Uh, some has already been collected, and others is, is being taken. And it's supporting things like um, the, the spare jackets are going to the HUGS program this fall, and um, some of the clothes is going to be used by Love, Inc. for their, their career uh, closet which is this idea that you know you need a special type of clothes for for your job you can you can get it there so it's having a big impact so i just wanted to share that with you and 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 let you know because of that i've been thinking about garage sales i've been thinking about garage sales a lot this past weekend i went down the down diamond and i saw that uh the lutheran church also had a garage sale and of course it wasn't as good as ours um, <laughs> no it was, it was a fine garage sale. They had, you know, the usual church garage sale stuff. It just, it wasn't as good as ours. So, um, um, so, uh, they had a garage sale. And, um, I, I do garage sales a, a lot myself. When I was a kid, I used to have to go garage sailing with my dad. That was kind of a year-long Mother's Day present, um, that my dad would take the kids, uh, to garage sales. And it became very difficult in, um, my teen years because my dad's strategy for getting a good price on something was to act stupid. And since since when you're a teenager, your dad is stupid, um, <laughs> he would be playing right into that, and I would just be like, you know, cringing all during the, the garage sale. Um, and it was like the worst thing if I actually met somebody I knew, So um, because you're the one with the uh, the learning disabled dad. And, and, and he would do that, and then he'd walk away grinning, you know. It's like, boy, I took them, right? So um, that was his strategy, but I have kind of these memories of garage sales. But I got a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, we've had more recent garage sales. A couple of years ago, um, well, I guess uh, 10 years ago, when we were getting ready to go to seminary, we had garage sales, and we tried to clean out our house because we were moving into student housing for the first time in years. So we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. And then when we moved up here to Alaska, we had to have a garage sale as well. And one of the things that struck me is how times have changed um, in the garage sales just in that 10-year period. Because 10 years ago, if somebody was looking at a cabinet or a couch or something like that, they would just look at it and, and think it over and try to decide, you know, does the person who I'm, you know, have in mind for this, do they want it? Will it fit in their house and so forth? Nowadays, they do something different. Nowadays, when you go to garage sales, I'm sure some of you have done this, uh, what you do is you take a picture of it with your phone and then you text it to someone and then they report back in, in real time, do they want that, that thing, whatever it is, the birdhouse or, or whatever it is you're trying to unload at your garage sale. And, and that is one of the ways that people have changed garage sales. And so nowadays, mostly you don't have the people who are standing there thinking about other people or, 
or some something in their house. But you still get people at garage sales who are standing there doing this, right? Because the the universal question of the garage sale is is not is this a good bargain? Because you can always walk away from it if it's not a good bargain. But the question is, is it something that I'll be selling at my garage sale next year? Right? It looks it looks very attractive right now, right? But realistically, what am I going to do with this exercise bike or you know the the bird cage or or the aquarium or whatever it is that, whatever it is that I find here today? It looks like a bargain. But am I going to be unloading in a year? And and so you spend a lot of time at a garage sale just kind of looking at the item. You know, LP records. There were LP records at the um, the uh, uh, garage sale. And I was tempted. I was thinking to myself, I love this album. I used to have this album, you know, 20 years ago. And I'd have to find a, a record player, but it turns out we had a record player. And so I'm sitting there going, you know, would I actually use it? And it's like, no, I wouldn't. So I ended up not buying it, but I, I know some people did. But you spend a lot of time at a garage sale just kind of looking at it, evaluating. And that's what the word actually means. It means to figure out the value of something. To figure out, does it have enduring value, or is it going to quickly go to the basement until your own garage sale uh, next year or something? And so people spend a lot of time at garage sales trying to decide, is this trash or is it treasure? Is it is it something I will keep, or is it something I'll get rid of as soon as I can? And that ties in with our, our message today, because Jesus is talking about treasure. Now, if, if you've been uh, with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we, we have been, and in fact today we're concluding, a series of, of uh, talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And the reason we're doing that is because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time. If, if you look at his, his biographies, you see that he began his ministry talking about the kingdom of God, and he ended it. Uh, right up to the day that he was taken up into heaven, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time. And the kingdom of God, as we've seen, is not um, is not heaven. That is not it's not what happens when you die or what happens when Jesus returns or anything like that. The the kingdom of God uh, includes those things, but the kingdom of God is is the 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 condition of being ruled by God. So the kingdom of God is wherever people have God as their ruler, um, and and so that includes heaven. God's on His throne and He's He's running things in heaven. The angels do what He says. Right, that includes heaven, and it also includes the end times. Whenever, whenever they happen, uh, God will be in charge there. And people of faith had always believed that about God. But the reason that Jesus really was uh, bringing an electrifying message is because he said, "You don't have to wait. You can have God working in your life, bringing the good things that God only God can bring into your life right now. God can bring." good into your life. God can bring his power and his goodness into your life right now. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. So that's what we've been seeing. And the way Jesus usually talked about this is he talked about it in terms of, of seeds growing. And I know you're you're cringing in case I start up with one more parable about seeds growing. But, but that's what Jesus mostly talked about. Jesus was talking to a bunch of farmers and he wanted to make it clear to them. So he didn't talk about airplanes or television sets uh, because they wouldn't have known what that meant. Maybe if Jesus came back today, he would talk about uh, the kingdom of God in terms of television sets or computers or something. But in that era, most people were farmers, so he talked about farming. And we saw that over the last several weeks, Jesus talked a lot about farming. And he had this prevailing image of the kingdom of God as a as a seed that was growing. And we saw we saw all the ways that that, that plays out, 
But the key thing is that it starts small and it ends big. Or it starts small and then over time it changes into something big. So we've we've seen these different images that Jesus used. And that's a good thing because most of us, that's our story, right? We we have some experience of God and we say, I wish God would help me with this thing, right? I've got this relationship that's a mess or I've got an addiction that I'm conquering. I've got some kind of besetting sin. I've got something going on in my life and I would love to have God uh, work on that. I would love to have God's help in that area of my life. And and that's the seed. But what Jesus says is that it grows. It changes over time. See, it doesn't just stay in that one little compartment of our life we would like the kingdom of God to stay in. Ultimately, what happens is the kingdom of God starts bumping into things that we don't really want God to bump into. It starts bumping into parts of our life that we really want to be under our own authority. Instead of having God as king, we want to be king of that area. So, yes, God can work on this thing. Um, God can, can help me with my marriage or whatever whatever my, my addiction. God can help me in this area. But I don't want God's help in these other areas. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the master of my fate and the captain of my destiny. I want to be in charge of these other things. I want to be in charge of my marriage. I want to be in charge of, of my my relationship with my children, my relationship with my parents. I want to be in charge of my job. I want to be in charge of my education. I want to be in charge of my future plans. And I really don't want God telling me what to do. Uh, you know, we're Americans. That's our that's our that's our national DNA. Is is you know, don't tread on me. Don't tell me what to do. You are not the boss of me. And so we inevitably run into these places where we don't want God telling us what to do. We don't want God to tell us how to express our sexuality. We don't want God telling us what to do with our money or our free time. There there are these places where we say, thanks, no thanks. What we want is not the kingdom of God, but the consultancy of God. We want to kind of hire God as a consultant to come in and work on that one thing and then go about his business, you know, collect his fee and off he goes. And Jesus says that's not the option. You have the option of being the king of your life or having God be the king of your life. And and you really kind of get stuck with that. And and, and that's the choice you have to make. And because you have a choice, we wind up like the person at the garage sale, kind of stroking our beard and saying, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, I like this. I can see the value. I, I like that. But I'm feeling pretty, pretty prickly in this area here. I'm not so sure. It feels pretty intrusive. It feels like God's kind of getting in my business over here. I like it over there, but I'm not sure it's worth it because it's going to make a difference over here. And that's the place I'm not really ready to have anybody else tell me what to do in. So we end up doing this, I don't know. You know, is it worth it? Is it trash or is it treasure? That's the problem we find ourselves in with the kingdom of God. And it is exactly that question that Jesus addresses this parable to today. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God for the first time in this chapter, not as a growing seed. Instead, he talks about it as a treasure. He's got two parables in both cases. He's talking about treasure. So let's go ahead and look at the parable of the um, the treasure, the man found in the field. So, um, uh, so he says in verse 44, The kingdom of heaven... Uh, is like a treasure hidden in a field. And I guess we have to stop right there. We have to say, well, well, wait a minute. I thought the whole point of parables was to make this something we could relate to. I've never found a treasure in a field. 
I don't know about you, is that even realistic? Is that something, I mean, yeah, I, I watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, but I've never personally come across a treasure in a field. Is that even realistic? Is that something people, people did in his era, the way they farmed? And the answer is yes, they did. Uh, they had treasures, all, people, uh, archaeologists are always finding treasures in the Holy Land. Um, just a couple of uh, years ago, they found this at a place called Kiryat Gat in 2011, and they spent about a year cleaning it up and dusting it off, and um, in 2012, they, they announced it, and that's where this picture comes from, from the press release. This is from the Israeli um, uh, Archaeology Administration or something. Anyway, the, the part of the Israeli government that's in charge of antiquities. And uh, this is a typical treasure trove. It's 140 uh, coins, earrings, and bits of jewelry that, that was found wrapped in a cloth and buried in a field. And um, the next picture shows some of the... You can see the silver doesn't age. It was silver kind of... 19th centuries is not good to silver. But the gold still looks great. This is an earring. Um, it's supposed to look like a, um, a grapes or something. And then the next picture is um, a, a ring and looks like a ring you might find today. So um, some kind of a, a gem and uh, and uh, the gold. And this is what people did. They, they would bury treasure troves like this one here um, um, in their, can, the next slide. So, so that's a typical treasure trove. People would put their life savings or, or whatever they could in a, in, a, in a box or a bag and then they would bury it. And the reason for that is they didn't have an alternative. They, they couldn't like wire it to a bank in the Caymans, okay? Um, they couldn't even put it in a safe deposit box because, because when the Romans came to town, the next time they came through, they'd go to the bank and say, open up all the vaults. And so everything would disappear. So if you wanted to, to save something, to keep it from being taken away by more powerful people than you, you had to hide it in a field. So, so this was very realistic. Everybody in Jesus' audience would have said, oh, okay, I know. I haven't personally found one, but my uncle's brother, he told me about the one that he found or something like that. So this is a very realistic, realistic story that Jesus is telling. He says, so there's a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Why did they find and hide it instead of find and take it? Is it that people back in the olden days were more honest? Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe they just were more honest. I mean, my own feeling, I'd probably, you know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Um, but, but maybe it's just too heavy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, uh, maybe, you know, I was thinking about this. We live in Alaska, right? You get a PFD here, right? Why do you get a PFD? Because there's treasure hidden in fields that you really can't just kind of carry out in your pockets, right? There has to be a whole infrastructure involved in, in developing um, mineral resources. So maybe this person found a gold mine. He didn't find a treasure trove. Maybe he found a gold mine. But whatever it was, he couldn't carry it away. So instead, what does he do? He goes and he buys the field. Now, how does he buy the field? It says, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So the key words there are, in his joy... In his joy. This is not a, a grudging purchase. It's not like, uh, I wish I could get this for half price or it'd be really cool if I could only, you know, talk, talk the field down a little bit. He, he is giddy because he knows he's found something that is of incredible value. That no matter what he has to pay for it, it's still a bargain. He's saying, in his joy, he sells everything he has. He sells everything. Not just the things that he knows aren't of much value, but the things that up until now he has thought had some value. 
He sells everything in order to have the kingdom of heaven, the treasure in the field. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us? Well, we know what's stopping us, right? We're, we're still stuck stroking our beard and saying, yeah, but is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is God going to cheat me somehow? Am I going to get a treasure that's worth less than what I have to give up? Jesus says no. But, you know, if you stop and think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Why would God do that? I mean, if God wanted us to, if God wanted us to be miserable, if God wanted us to be miserable, all he's got to do is not get involved with us at all, right? Just leave us alone. Because all of us have got some part of our life where we'd like God to be at work. And, and the problem is not that. We'd love to have God's help in that area. It's the other area. It's the rest of our lives that we're not so sure about. So if God wanted us to be miserable, he could just say, I tell you what, work it out yourself. And ultimately that's the choice that God presents us, is we have the choice of him being king in our life or not. But it just doesn't make any sense. God wouldn't have to cheat us in order to make us miserable. But is that is that enough? I mean, that's just kind of our own reasoning. Does Jesus say anything about that? He does. And that's where the second parable comes in. It sounds almost like the first one. It sounds so similar. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. It sounds almost like the same, but there's a couple of key differences. Obviously, it's a pearl now instead of a treasure in a field, but that's not the difference. The key difference is that this person is looking for the kingdom of heaven. See, the first the first parable, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure. But now the kingdom of heaven is like the person who's searching. It's the merchant. The kingdom of heaven is the merchant. See, this parable is God. This is telling us about the king. He is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. God is looking for people to be king in the lives of. God is looking for pearls. And when he finds one of great value, when he finds you, when he finds me, what does he do? It's not future tense. It's past tense. He went and he sold all he had so he could buy it. He gave everything. He gave his only begotten son to connect us back to him so that he could bring his power into our lives. God gave everything to develop us as pearls of great value. There is no chance that God will cheat us. God, It doesn't make sense for God to cheat us, but beyond that, Jesus is telling us God has already given us everything. God has paid everything so that he could be king in our lives. So, what's the application? Well, the application is first to believe what he says, that, that, it is, that it is a worthy bargain, that we don't have to scratch our beard anymore. But the other application is to do it. See, we can, we can be convinced in our head a long time before we actually get out our wallet. That's the problem. Now, the audience that Jesus was speaking to was a Jewish audience, and they would have been very familiar with, with a story from the Hebrew Scriptures that would have been rehearsed every year at Passover. A part of their, their um, uh, religious heritage is that every year they would trot out the story of the Exodus, the story about how Moses was used by God to rescue the people of God, the, the Israelites, the Hebrew slaves from Egypt, um, to bring them into the Holy Land. And part of the story we just heard, it's the story of the plagues. Because Moses would go to, Moses would go to 
Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, no. And uh, there'd be a plague on Egypt to show them that God was angry and God was going to to keep pestering the uh, uh, Egyptians until God until they let the people go. And so there's been a whole bunch of plagues at this point. And then finally there's a plague of frogs. And it's meant to be humorous. It really is meant to be a funny story. So you can just picture it. You can picture these frogs hopping up out of the Nile and just covering the land of Egypt. They're, they're all over the place. They're in houses. They're in, they're in granaries. They're every place you don't want frogs to be. The frogs are there. They're even in the palace. They're in the palace of the king. Now up until this point, every time Moses did something like this, the magicians, the magician would say, that's not so big. That's not God. That's just a trick. Here, let me demonstrate. I can make frogs appear too. So the magicians do it this time. They make the frogs appear. And now instead of having a frog problem, you've got a double frog problem. You've got twice as many frogs. They're all over the place because the magicians have duplicated the frogs. And as right this minute, I can't stand having these frogs another moment. That's not what he says. He says tomorrow. And by tomorrow, he's changed his mind. And so the next plague and so forth. The lesson... The lesson that Jesus' audience knew is that today is the right time. If you have been wondering, is it worthwhile for me to have God in this part of my life? I know about that part, but what about this part? Is it worth it? Because it feels pretty pushy. It feels intrusive. It feels awkward. It's pretty uncomfortable. The answer from Scripture is yes, right now. Today is the moment. If God is speaking into your life and telling you you need to change your relationship, he needs, you need to change the way you're expressing your sexuality, He needs to change the way you allocate your money or your time. If God is telling you you need to change your plans for the future, today is the time to say yes. God's not going to cheat you. He paid a great price for you. And He wants you to know the kingdom of God is a treasure worth everything you have. Thanks be to God.